rather manic because I'm in my job. I'm a, I'm a key worker, so I'm in most of the time anyway. Then I've got the rest of the stuff. Then I've got the kids. So yeah, life is uh, pretty shall we say but uh yeah, yeah how you how you find the time to do anything is incredible to me <laughs> yeah it's, it's definitely i've got a very um tolerant wife shall we say and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, I, and i Und willkommen to Passport People, the podcast where we talk to people about the places that matter to them. I'm your host, Finn, and today I'm joined by a very, very, very special guest uh, from the world of my favourite team, West Ham United. It is X. How are you, X? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you, mate. How are you? I'm not doing too bad. Um, it's it's absolutely surreal having you on the podcast. It's a little bit like I don't know making a film with a with a movie star. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, it's, it's it's I wouldn't say I'm quite like, that famous, but it's uh, yeah, it's a bit surreal how uh, it's all came about out really from uh, just being a, a normal lad with a Twitter account. Uh, <laughs> yeah, somehow having quite a few listeners that people wanted to listen to my opinions on West Ham. So uh, yeah, a bit, bit of a surreal situation, but I'm a, a normal person, uh, nine to five and uh, pretty much normal for most of my life. So. It's fantastic, actually, because a lot of people are always asking me, why do you support West Ham? Because uh, I'm from a West London background. My dad's a Chelsea supporter. And um, it was quite it was quite a weird one for me being a West Ham fan. But the community that you get around this club is very special. I mean, it's not always positive, And the football... It's, it's never really going to be something to shout too much about, but it's it's something really special, that community of fans, both sort of in the stadium and around the football. And I think everything that you do with your podcast and with the Twitter account is absolutely fantastic for bringing everybody together. So just want to have that on the record on air to, to note. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, as I say, I'm very lucky to have the, um, I guess, the opportunities I have through the Twitter account and the podcast because to for me interviewing these players and getting to meet them um, as often as I do is a is a dream come true because obviously when I was growing up they were all sort of my heroes my sporting heroes and um, yeah I do feel very privileged to have um, the, the, the opportunities that I have and you know it's taken quite a lot of hard work to get where we've got to and you take quite a lot of stick as well but I guess it's all part and parcel of it and um yeah, you know, it's uh, it's uh, a nice a nice thing to have on, on the uh, in the background, ticking away to what is a very normal life. So. <laughs> <laughs> Never gets boring, I'm sure. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. No. <laughs> Don't have time to get boring, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um, X, I always ask everybody this on the podcast: Where are you from? Um, yeah, I'm from South Woodford, which is a, a, a suburb in London, uh, sort of near Walthamstow, Leytonstone, that sort of way. Uh, I was born in Leytonstone, uh, grew up there all my life. My accent is obviously a little bit of a mixture and variety of things now, um, sort of 
basically went to university in East Anglia. Um, a lot of my family are from Norfolk, so there's a, I guess, a little bit of a Norfolk twang in there. Uh, my family's, my mum's side, all Italian, so maybe that comes through. Uh, and I've just sort of, yeah, ended up with a rather bizarre, maybe watching too much Neighbours when I was a kid as well. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up with a bit of a bizarre, bizarre twang. <laughs> <laughs> Um, shows shows how multicultural it's it's easy to become nowadays. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you can uh, you can morph into anything that you want to. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but interestingly, despite the weird number of influences that we just mentioned, it's not where we're talking about today. Where is no. it? It's going to be Ibiza in the Balearic Islands. So, for those who maybe have never heard of Ibiza, where exactly is Ibiza in the context of the world? <laughs> well, it's, it's obviously in Europe. It's a Spanish island. Um, it's, a, it's known as a collection of islands called the Balearic Islands, which from my limited knowledge would include the likes of Mallorca and uh, Menorca in those in those islands um, and it's obviously quite a popular tourist resort for many um, people particularly British people uh, and um, yes yeah, a lovely a lovely part of the world it's got a, a scenic beautiful side for families and it's got its uh, more livelier side for your younger crew I guess <laughs> And I guess this is an interesting place to start because I, I mean, I am, I'm 22, so I'm, right. I'm very, very young. Um, and I think the, the reputation that, that me and a lot of my peers have of Ibiza is a reputation for nightlife, for the EDM, for the summer clubs. In your experience, is, is that sort of identity what makes Ibiza stand out from the other Mediterranean islands? I think so. I mean... My my sort of affiliation to the island is the sort of party side. Now I, I first went when I was seventeen, and I'm um, I'm a lot older than you, not quite double your age, but edging, <laughs> towards, edging towards that anyway. You know, um, and uh, I am um, I've been there six or seven times. But what I what I like about the island is the fact that yes, it does have that really sort of famous and extreme lifestyle uh, nightlife. Um, it is. It also has the other aspect that you can, you know, families can go and you can go with your, your children. It depends which part of the island you go to. But um, I know a lot of uh, relatives of mine have gone there for the, um, yeah, the, the the more quieter side, shall we say. So it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very versatile island, and um, yeah, I mean the the nightlife is exceptional. I mean, I know you get your sort of club eighteen to thirties resorts, like you get them. As I said, the other Balearic Islands, you get them in the um, Canary Islands, like Tenerife and Lanzarote, and obviously you've got Greece and its islands, and Ionapa in Cyprus, and like, Turkey is becoming a, a, a sort of up-and-coming place for that sort of thing as well. But uh, for me, you'll never, ever be Ibiza, because 
at my age, and I've, I've my lifespan, shall we say, I've been for ranges from 17 to 38 in the terms of the years that I've been going. So you know, it's 21 years there, um, and I've I've never ever felt either too young or too old. It's a very accepting crowd there, and that, and that, and that's what I think is different. You know, if you go to um, perhaps some of the other places, I think really realistically, you need to be between 17 and maybe 25, shall we say, without looking out of place any older than that. You start to feel a bit, a bit, a bit like the, the granddad or the dad of the crowd, whereas Ibiza, you do not feel like that. And some places, you know, I'm, as I said, I've hinted I'm in my late 30s now. Um, some places in Ibiza, I can go and I can be the youngest person in there, or I can go to another place and I can be the oldest person in there, or I can be in the middle. You know, it's, it's a very very accepting crowd and everyone knows that everyone is there just for a good time and i think some of these other resorts you know people go there they get um are we allowed to swear on this podcast <laughs> go for it go for it okay i should have clarified that they get you know they get pissed, pissed up in the resorts and, you know, often often this turns into fights and stuff whereas ibiza has a a lot more well, in my experience anyway, a lot more mellow, a lot more chilled um, vibe to it. And I think everyone just sort of respects everyone's kind of, like, like a love for a good time. I mean, obviously there are places you can go to that would be, you'd get some trouble, but on the whole, it is a much more chilled out vibe than perhaps some of the other sort of similar places. It's interesting, actually, because I think, as you say, when a lot of people think of these sort of big hedonistic party destinations, they think a little bit about, you know, that being the sole purpose that a place like that would have. But interestingly, I, and I didn't tell you this before the podcast started, but listeners will know, I have uh, lived in Bali for part of the time that I've been growing up. And Bali has a very similar energy to it, where... On the one hand, it is, I mean, we say it's this sort of Australian Ibiza where you do have that scene. And then beyond that, you've got so much other sort of cultural and spiritual and traditional stuff. But even if as a tourist, you wanted to have an experience there that was more uh, relaxing and calmer and that was more inviting to people of different interests, you can have that. It's not a sort of exclusive experience. Oh, no, completely. And that's what I love about it. I mean, one of the most, um, I guess, magical is the right word. The most magical things you can do in Ibiza is go, you don't have to go to the bars, but there are spe- uh, sp- specific bars to do this in called the Sunset Bars, but or the Sunstrip Bars. But you don't have to do that. You can sit on the beach further up or in your... You know, in your hotel, or whatever, and you and you watch the the sunset on the horizon, and it is magical. You know, you put your sort of calming music on, and, and it's like a a real, yeah, like collective appreciation for how how beautiful the sunset is, how wonderful that moment is, how wonderful I guess life in general is, and it it has got that feel to it. And as I said, you can get hire a car jump on the motorway, drive half hour or so around the coast, and you can experience a much more sort of traditional, you know, Spanish um, fishing towns, um, much more uh, cultural feel to Ibiza than just going clubbing, because obviously if you're going to San Antonio, for example, you're not going to experience a huge amount of culture, but if you wanted to do that, plus the culture, it's very, very easy to do that. 
goodness, the way you uh, were talking about that experience there, it was proper escapism. I was thinking I would give a kidney to be able to go and do it that is, right it, now. Honestly, it's so beautiful. And like, the thing is, what what makes it special is as well, like you're sitting there and everyone that's sitting on the beach, you know, like calming music. You've got obviously the, the calming uh, noise of the sea. Um, you've got that sort of fresh air. Everyone's there having a good time. So there's all automatically that nice vibe. And... Um, yeah, it, you know, it's so special. It, it almost feels like it's not, you know, it's not earthly. It's something different. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think I'll ever get tired of it. You know, my sort of friends and my wife and people take the mickey out of me and say that one day you'll be too old for me. But I, I genuinely don't think I will. I can imagine going there in my 60s and, yeah, maybe the, the clubbing might not be as intense as it was in my younger years. But I think I'd still I'd still appreciate the sort of beauty and the, and the magic of the island. To sort of zoom in on your younger years, <laughs> whilst we're whilst we're still here, what what were your first experiences of Ibiza? So um, when I was in sixth form, uh, uh, me and my mates, we, we all had sort of different groups of friends. So you had like there was one group who were you like, you know, sort of we were all mates of each other, but you had like pockets of different interests. So you had your kind of mates that were into their bands and into their music. So naturally for them, they went to places like Reading and Glastonbury, and then we had like um, your sort of blokes that were. I don't know, solely into the sort of their cars and that sort of lifestyle. So they'd all be going off to car meets around here and everyone had their kind of interest. And so their niche. And, yeah, their niche, that's right. And whilst I'd like to think I was kind of friends with all the people in the groups, we had our own sort of niche. And that was more, we were the sort of group that used to go clubbing, that used to appreciate the dance music. You know, we all liked our football. We all liked our, yeah, going out and stuff. So we all had like almost rival holidays in sixth form so i remember like i said some went to glassbury reading some went to um tenerife i don't know what specifically they did in tenerife but i remember a group of lads going there um, and we also went to different places so we we chose ibiza as our place that we were going to go to as 17 year olds and we never really had a lads holiday before me and one of my mates had been to New Quay together, but long story, <laughs> long, long story we, um, we put up a tent, went out clubbing, got very drunk, came back, and the tent was in the tree because we, <laughs> we, 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 we hadn't secured it properly. So our, our experience of our first lads holiday was not great. So then the next year we were like, right, we're not doing England anymore. We're making sure we're going to go somewhere where we don't have, to put, don't have to put tents up. We don't have to worry about the weather, so to speak. So we picked Ibiza, went there as 17-year-olds. It was me and three other mates. And then we met a few other mates out there. But the core group was the four of us. And we'd kind of grown up together from secondary school. So from 11 to, I guess it must have been, yeah, 17. So we were in lower six at the time. And we went out there. And it was just so... So I remember our parents had a had a meeting beforehand to discuss um, how they were going to trust us. I think basically, and I was identified as the troublemaker. I could always, <laughs> and so and my and my mum was very protective of me. It must be the sort of Italian in her or natural instinct of mums anyway. And she was very like, no, my son's not the problem. Blah blah blah. <laughs> and it got quite and it got quite heated. I think anyway. So we went out there and um, we. 
we had such a great time. I mean, we were perhaps a little bit on the young side because, you know, we would go to some clubs. I remember obviously had to be over 18. I think we got turned away from a couple of them, but <laughs> most of them we most of them we got into, no problem. And, you know, it, it was just amazing. You know, your first time really away from your parents for a prolonged period. Um, you know, weather was amazing. The music was so good. It was the end of the 90s, so it was kind of like a real good time for dance music and um yeah we just had such a good time and so many good memories of the nightclubs there and i kind of fell in love with it as such and then i've been back six times now and was due to go this year for the seventh time um but unfortunately that looks like that won't be happening now but uh yeah so six times at least and hopefully at least another six more oh wow it's amazing the extent to which you can have an experience like that and it can just mean so much to to your sort of life experiences and your youth. I mean, I, I, my sort of equivalent similar experience was going to Berlin when I turned 18. Right, and, yeah. you know, Berlin for many different reasons is a, is a similar type of place, mm, you know, in the way that, sorry? I've been to Berlin as well. I went when I was at university <laughs> for a similar reason. Yeah, and it's just... I, I think I think I kind of understand what you mean when you say that it's a place that just feels like it, it means a lot to you. Because when you have an experience like that, with it being one of your first as an adult and one of your first away from your parents and your first, like, being out in the world and discovering what you like and how you like it and, you know, what you want to do and what you want to do with your friends and who you want to spend time with, it almost feels like the place that you're in when that happens in a way has a sort of... I don't want to say bearing on it, but it, it definitely is some sort of an influence because you'll always associate that place and those experiences with your sort of coming of age, if that makes 100%. sense. Yeah, it does entirely. I, I associate that place with, like you said, like, almost like a coming of age. Like I've grown up through different stages of my life there um, and, it, and I associate it with positive times. Like, you know, we all from I guess the age of 17 to what I am now you all go through various life challenges and various life obstacles where perhaps things aren't as um I don't know positive as you'd like them to be whereas whenever I was in Ibiza I almost seemed to be able to forget about anything like that and just enjoy that, that week that two weeks as everything being really really positive and happy you know I, I went from being a, a single 17 year old lad that hadn't got much life experience at all to sort of progressing through i think i went once when i was 24 maybe and um i just got out of a five-year relationship so that was uh, uh, sort of another significant time other times i've been in long-term relationships obviously the last two or three times i've been i've been married with kids so you know it's a it's a massive sort of part of my life now and whenever i go back i feel like it's almost going sort of home, even though I've only been there like six times or so, it does feel like home. And as you know from listening to the podcast I do, um, I do it for what is my best friend now, Dave. And um, he had never been to Ibiza before. So two years ago, I said to him, mate, you've got to go to Ibiza. And, you know, we'd had quite a, a good year together, various nights out, and we'd sort of, you know, done all right with the podcast and the events. So we were like, right, in the summer, we've got to go out and sort of celebrate this. And uh, he had never been to Ibiza before. And as far as I know, I don't think he'd ever been on a lad's holiday because he'd been pretty much married off from a very early age. So, <laughs> yeah. so um, he came and he just absolutely fell in, 
fell in love with it as well. And we went, we then went that year and the, and the next year, and we were due to go this year as well. Um, so three years in a row for him, and we both have such. You know, we've only spent two weeks together in Ibiza, but the the memories that we have of that place is just so funny. And you know, we often, when we're off air or you know just meeting up and talking as friends, we often talk about our times in Ibiza. And <coughs> sorry, we're also doing a podcast. Um, we're launching a new podcast this um, <coughs> this summer, where we're going to be doing the sort of reflective podcast back to the sort of 90s and stuff because that was like our great coming of age era and I think I'm sure I beat will get mentioned then as well <laughs> yeah it's it's amazing and that when you have those experiences with other people I guess not only do do you get to share that experience that you have of the place but you get to create those memories and those experiences for other people as well well, yeah, I felt like a tour guide for him when we first got there. Because, <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, we've got to go to this place. We've got to go here. We've got to go there. And and the funny thing is, like, with the sort of success, I guess, of the West Ham podcast, one of the first things we did is, we're right, okay, we're going to go down the strip. And, you know, we're a little bit too old for this, but let's just go down, see what it's like, do it, and then we'll do our own thing afterwards. And we kind of went along numerous bars. And then we got right to the end of the bar, the strip, and it was um, this little pub or bar, I guess, um, one of the smaller ones on the strip. And we went in there and we sat down and we just ordered like whatever we had to drink. And the, and the bar man behind the door said to me, "I recognise your voice," and I said. Do you? And, I, and he goes, yeah. He goes, are you a West Ham fan? And the minute someone says that, then obviously, obviously I know, they know who I am. So I was like, uh, yeah. And then he goes, do you do a podcast? And, then I was like, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're in my bottle. And I was like, okay, well, I'm here now. And I was like, this is Dave, who I do the podcast with. And he was like, oh, brilliant. So then the whole night, shout out to John. The pub's called The Boozer. And, he's called, and he was called John. So John from The Boozer. A classic British name there, but uh, he um, he just provided us with shots and drinks all night long. And then um, the next day, we obviously, uh, sorry, the next year when we came back, the year after, we made a point as that being the first bar that we went to. And uh, he was going through some sort of difficult times in terms of finances and challenges from the Spanish authorities and stuff and um, you know we were intending to visit him this year but I hope I haven't spoke to him since the last time we were there but I hope I hope he's still sort of ticking along and then a bit further on on the Sunset Strip uh, there's a, a bar there and annoyingly the name slipped my mind but um, that is also owned by um a West Ham fan and we tweeted that we were in Ibiza and um, it might be something to do with Mint, maybe Mint Lounge or something like that but we tweet we tweeted we tweeted that we were in Ibiza and he um, sent us a DM and said, you know, come along to the bar and I'll sort you out. And again, he sorted us out all night as well. So it was uh, it was quite amazing how sort of whilst West Ham is a big club, it's obviously not a Manchester United or a Liverpool or whatever, but how big the West Ham name is and how widespread our fan base is that we, yeah, that we got to sort of socialise with quite a few West Ham fans out there. It's fascinating. It, it brings me to one of the next questions I have, which is that obviously Ibiza is a very, very international place in terms of the different people that, that turn up and the different people who make their homes there. Do you think that a tourist destination as popular as Ibiza should prioritise 
its Spanish identity and the fact that it is Spanish because that's one of the things that culturally excites everyone and that brings everybody there, or that it should pride itself as an international hub that does attract people from all over the world, regardless of whether it's in Spain or wherever it is? Um, that's a good question. I think I think it needs to do a bit of both, to be honest with you, because um, no country, in my opinion, should ever abandon its heritage and its roots and its culture, because that's what makes it special. And, and Spain is a is a country and a group of, and you know, has loads of islands that should be proud of the fact that they are Spanish, because it's a you know, great history, great. Um, great sort of place for people to go to um you know lots of things culturally that are you know interesting and fascinating but on the flip side what does make ibiza so special is like you alluded to there the fact that um so many people from so many different countries come to one place to sort of celebrate a kind of mutual love of the good things in life and that everyone can kind of gets on and tolerates each other and there's no kind of there's no, like, people aren't there discriminating against someone else because they're a different, you know, skin colour, different background, different um, country. You know, we, some of the best mates we took from there, uh, we we had a great night with these Scottish lads, you know, and if, if you want to make rivals, England, Scotland and so on. <laughs> but we had, a, we had a great laugh with them that night, you know, and we still occasionally text each other. So, um, you know, I think it's I think it should celebrate both. It's uh, it's uh, got to respect its culture and its history and so on, its traditions. But at the same time, be proud of the fact that people from all over the world come to their island and sort of embrace each other and, and embrace the island as one. It's an interesting debate, actually, because as you say, I think there's always there's always going to need to be a sense of balance. But exactly what that balance is and how it works is is so up for debate. I mean, I, my partner and I visited a friend in Granada in January, and in order to get to Granada from Edinburgh, where we are, you've got to fly to Malaga and then get a bus up to Granada. And so right. flying, flying back, we're going through Malaga Airport, and there's a, there's a Smiths there. And at the time... Well, yeah, very British, like selling <laughs> your, your Cadbury's chocolate and, your, yeah. you know, British magazines. And, I mean, it was very clear to me why it's there. If you've got loads of British tourists turning up, it's probably quite a profitable thing to put, a, you know, a branch of a popular British chain retail store in your airport. Mm -hmm. But I, I think about it to this day because I'm thinking, is this, to an extent, is this the direction that a lot of these tourist destinations are, are going in and and what is the extent to which you balance out this place being you know so absolutely this place belonging to this country and this culture and when people come they come to experience that not to sort of bring their own culture from home versus saying that for a lot of people traveling outside i mean for us we're british traveling outside the uk can be quite uh, a big deal and can be quite stressful and providing things that make it easier to interact with those identities is maybe a good thing. So I'm, I'm still not sure where I stand on the whole thing, to be honest. Yeah, it's a really tricky one, isn't it? I mean, like you say, a lot of places in Spain, like you've talked about Malaga there, but, you know, you look at Benidorm as well, and you, and you could pick out a number of places across Spain that have become very, very uh, commercialised in terms of like, British... Uh, 
uh, like you said, retail and other shops and food and pubs and even the television. You know, you go, you go into the pubs there and they're showing like EastEnders or whatever rather than uh, uh, anything particularly Spanish. Um, <laughs> so I think you're right. You do have to be careful because you don't want the locals you know ibiza for example only really becomes the ibiza of the tourist destination uh, of a tourist destination from about i would get i would guess about may to maybe late october so those those months aside from that you know the, that's when you need the sort of locals to keep it ticking along and make ensure that it um you know still still can function so to speak and you know with the recent um you know the coronavirus and so on there's talk that uh, some of these places are really struggling because you know they may not get the tourism this year that they that they are dependent on um and that's quite sad really to be so dependent on tourism um that you can't survive without it so i think you're right there does need to be some it's hard to know what the actual definitive answer is, but there does need to be some some balance. And I, and I wouldn't want to go somewhere as a tourist myself without being able to experience, you know, some sort of culture or some sort of difference. Because if I'm if I just wanted to go clubbing and get drunk, well, I might as well you know go and do that in London or whatever and um, save myself some money. I want to go there and experience the experience the the culture plus have that side. I mean, Ibiza, one of the downsides of Ibiza is the, is the cost of everything. I mean, you know, you can go to a bar and a, a couple of drinks cost you 50 euros or whatever. So really? Wow. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Me and Dave went to this, um, this, uh, beach party when we first got there funnily bianca westwood who is also a, a west ham kind of person was was there as well we kind of met up with her had a few drinks and so on and um dave happened to be at the bar and he was like dave's a very so i'd like to be both are but he especially is a very very sociable guy and so he's standing at the bar i'm sitting on the beach he went off to get his round and i don't think i'd probably warned him about ibiza cost so much at that point so he went off Got the first round in, was standing there, chatting to a few people, probably had, I think, probably took one of their cigarettes, made friends and so on, and offered to buy the next round. And he came back and he goes, you never guess how much it cost me. And I was like, knowing that it would be a lot. But he goes, 70, 75 euros. And I was like, mate, what have you ordered? And he was like, well, I ordered your like whatever I had, unless I had a double vodka and something. He had, probably had one, he probably bought Bianca one, and then probably the person at the bar one. So maybe four drinks, and it cost 75, 75 euros. And I remember like in one of the nightclubs that we went to, just ordering a tiny little bottle of water, and we're talking like, you know, not your standard size that you get. Like a sort of mini machine. one. Yeah, like a mini one, like no bigger than a like a Coke can, for example, but it's smaller than that. Um, and I remember that costing twenty euros per bottle. And, oh. and it's, uh, no, no. So it's absolutely obscene when you get out there. So for me, I wouldn't want to pay those prices if I wasn't getting some kind of experience beyond just your standard experience. Now, don't get me wrong; you don't have to pay those prices if you if you're tactical with your drinking. If you if you drinking, <laughs> drinking the cheap bars before you get there, and then maybe allow yourself one or two in the nightclub, it, it's manageable. But if you if you don't do that, then you're you're likely to be stung. That's for sure.
What engagement when you go and visit Ibiza do you do you really have with the locals, if any? Um, probably not much to be honest with you, because a lot of it is geared around like like tourists and so on. So yes, when you go to restaurants, you know you, you talk to the, the waiters and so on. If you go in the, the shop, you might talk to the owner, the, the hotel staff, or the hotel staff are generally not from Spain in my experience so so uh, they are from other countries but not necessarily Spain and um, generally you don't have a huge amount to do with them if you go to like San Antonio or you go to Playa de Bossa if you want to have more to do with the local people then you need to go half hour down the road so it's just so funny to think right like as for me as a traveler I always make it a priority to try and learn the basic bits of a language of a country I'm visiting to before I go, just yeah. so that I know that I'm covered for like anything going wrong and your pleases and your thank yous and your hellos, etc. But yeah. it really does sound with Ibiza like you can you can go and not really know any Spanish and almost never use Spanish really and and just about manage to to get away with it and understand what's going on. Oh yeah, you wouldn't need to learn Spanish to go to Ibiza because it's so it's so tourist based that you know you go into the restaurants and they have most of the restaurants the menu is written in English and if it's not written in English then there's an English section or a, or you can ask on the English menu like that there's you could you you don't need to know a single word of Spanish. I mean, I I have very basic Spanish knowledge because I did it for a couple of years at school, but I don't imagine, uh, don't want to sort of take away Dave's uh, uh, cultural side, but I can't imagine he he speaks the word Spanish. uh, He doesn't speak much English, to be fair, but... uh, And uh, he uh, he got by, and and like like I say, everything is in English, you know, like... uh, I don't think I spoke a word of Spanish out there. Well, not, not without doing it deliberately. You know, I did. I didn't have to speak Spanish, and and in a way that is quite sad because you know you're not you don't get your proper experience of the country. You know, I, I'm a bit of a traveller myself. Um, I, I could have picked a few places. That I was torn when you asked me to do this podcast because I've been to Brazil, I've been to Rio de Janeiro, that, and I've been to a few places around around there and, and Rio is an amazing place to go to um i've been to lots of europe i've been to germany like i said i've been to most of europe i've been to mexico i've been to usa a number of times i've been to china um so i've done quite a lot of traveling myself and i do like to experience you know that proper like culture of that place um so I've actively sought out the culture when I've been to Ibiza. But if you didn't, if you just went to San Antonio to get drunk, you you could do that and not have to know anything really. It's crazy. Um, you kind of you kind of mentioned this earlier in our conversation. Um, but we're both West Ham fans. We pride ourselves on being part of this community of people that is the West Ham fan base. Is there a sense of community? special to Ibiza that exists either between you and the people that you visit or the people you meet or yeah. uh, the people on the island. I mean, you've already sort of mentioned it with the the bar owners who you've met and the people who you visited with, but can you talk a little bit more about what that, what that actually means? Yeah, I feel like when you're out there, as I said earlier, um, everyone 
is very accepting of each other. There's no, there's no kind of looking at people thinking, what are you doing here? Like, uh, through West Ham stuff, I do have a lot of friends that are younger than me, as, as sad as that is to admit to. <laughs> so, so I'm one of the older ones of our social group. And um, sometimes when you go, when you go to nightclubs or to bars, you can feel a little bit like out of place, as in like, you know, you're a bit too old for this, but you know, as I said in Ibiza, you do not get that feeling at all. Everyone is very, very friendly. Everyone's very welcoming. You know, I've, you know, people, I've been at the bar, for example, and I've been like, <laughs> such are the prices, I've been like five euros short or whatever, and a person next to me say, oh, here you go, mate, here's, have that, and, you know, everyone's very kind of, you know, accommodating of each other, and um, you walk, you know, you walk down the street and you see people, and generally, you know, if I was to say to a group of people when I, when I was out, you know, all right, lads, or all right, ladies, where are you off to? You'd generally be able to strike up a, you know, a decent chat, and I think, yeah, I think everyone's very chilled, and I mean, but that's what I like about it. You know, I think, you know, I've also done Cavos, I've done Magaluf, I've done uh, Tenerife, Lanzarote, uh, what's it called? Um, uh, what's that place called? Bodrum in Turkey, <laughs> Ayanapa. I've done, so I've done most of You've done the full, the full set. I have the full <laughs> set, so I'm, a, so I'm, a, I'm an expert on these things. And uh, <clears throat> at my age now, I wouldn't go back to any of those places unless it was like a, a stag do or something like that. But I wouldn't I wouldn't go back to any of those places now. The only place I would go to is Ibiza because, like I said, it's a different atmosphere there. It's more... It's more accepting. It's it's almost like I don't want to call it this because it's not. But and obviously I'm not I'm not experienced in what this is either. But it's it, it sort of in my head. It sort of has that kind of 1960s like hippie feel to it. Like you know that sort of that kind of free you know that peace and that free love and that sort of thing. You know that kind of just I don't know that love of life really. That's what I associate it with. And maybe it's because. I've had such positive experiences there that I have made that image in my head. But I think there's a lot of my friends and a lot of people that I know that also have that same um, feeling. You know, there's a, there's a West Ham fan called Elliot. His brother is actually Sunny J, who's the Capital FM uh, breakfast presenter in the morning. And he, um, they're both good mates of mine. And Elliot came to Ibiza with us um, the first time Dave and I went. And I think that year he'd been maybe be seven times before coming with us because he just like loves it so much that he just whenever he's got a spare weekend flies out there and yeah and there's so many people like that when we were in one nightclub uh, we got a taxi back so we were standing outside the nightclub and there was this couple there a man and a woman and um they we spoke to them and they were in their 50s and they'd met each other in ibiza and we were just chatting to them and we got a cab back from whichever club we were at, back to San Antonio or wherever we were, and uh, we were talking to them in the car, uh, <clears throat> and we said to them, like, you know, what what are you doing here? You know, what, why are you here? And they were like, well, we met each other when we were, like, 20. We're 55 now. Every summer since then, we've came back for a week just to sort of remember where we met and because we love the place so much. And, you know, we were like, fair play. That's brilliant. And... You know, and they, and they were happy doing that as a married couple with kids, you know, in their 50s. So that shows to me what I've said a couple of times now, that kind of tolerance and acceptance of people just wanting to have a good time and be happy. It's particularly surreal to, to hear you talk about this, given what 
you and I know about what life in the UK and particularly life in London is is like, which is, you know, the idea that you would be able to strike up a conversation with a stranger in the street. I mean, it it does happen, but it's it's very surreal. You wouldn't you wouldn't just do that on the tube or on a yeah. train going somewhere. And I guess one of the reasons that Ibiza must have that sort of buzz is the extent to which it is so different from a sort of typical northern European way of life. 100%, mate. 100, that's exactly what I like about it because, like you said, I grew up in London and, yes, you might talk to the odd person, but you wouldn't just start randomly talking to people on the tube, like you said, or walking down the street or wherever you are. You wouldn't do that because you'd get the feeling that the person that you were trying to do that to would either not want to or think you were a weirdo, maybe. <laughs> um, so, whereas uh, in Ibiza, actually you'd come across as more weird if you didn't strike up a conversation, if you just stood there in silence. And I think for a, a person like me that likes to talk, as you've probably gathered on this podcast, <laughs> um, like, likes to talk and um, is quite a sociable kind of guy, the Ibiza, that sort of, um, I guess, hospitality towards each other and that kind of um, interaction fits more with my sort of, DNA, I guess, than it does in London as much as I've grown up and lived in London all my life. Um, apart from the odd spell in Norfolk, I am, um, I, uh, I am, um, yeah, feel much more at home in that sort of environment in Ibiza. It just goes to show you the extent to which your your sort of identity as a person is not at all well. It is sort of defined by where you're born and where you grow up, but. It's also very much defined by your, your personality and the experiences that you have and the adventures that you go on and the people that you meet and what you find about different places in the world that you go that are like, yes, this is me. This is the kind of life I like. This is the kind of person I am. Definitely. I, I you know, like I said, I'm lucky enough to have travelled quite a lot. Um, you know, I've uh, got friends that live abroad, so I've been able to visit them. I've worked abroad um on and off in a, a couple of times and um like i said i love traveling so i've i've experienced a lot um i like doing those things on like facebook you know you tick off the places you've been to um, <laughs> I, I like doing those and um and i always want to go to places that i haven't been to so for example um, i've never been to australia i was hoping to go this year with west ham and it was all set to happen but again the coronavirus put pay to that i've never been i'd like to go to south africa i'd like to go to japan i'd like to go to canada there's lots of places more of south america so there's a lot i'd like to go to india as well so there's lots of places all different countries cultures different continents different everything about them is different but i love that sort of education on life and i do feel for people that haven't really ever had the opportunity to experience that because as you said i think sometimes you may be born somewhere and your whole roots may be to one place but you don't know that you might be more connected to somewhere else um and i and i hope when my kids are a bit older and you know, my life is at a different stage. I'll be able to go and experience more of these places uh, because there's a whole world out there that is to be explored. And um, for me, that's the biggest education in life you can have is visiting all these different places. And I hope, I hope to continue to do that um, going forward. It's actually been one of the most positive things that I think we've discovered from the coronavirus in what is 
obviously a terrible, terrible situation in which thousands of people are dying. But one of the things that it taught all of us very quickly is the extent to which the world is so globalized now that, yeah. you know, a, a, someone can eat a bat in China, effectively, <laughs> and, you know... Games, you know, football games can get shut down. People can be forced indoors in in pretty much every country. I mean, I saw a news story uh, yesterday on the BBC about uh, the fact that North Korea are reporting that they've not had a single case of COVID-19 and there are loads of health experts going, could that really be the case? And, you know, that just says a lot about the extent to which we're so connected to each other. And I'd like to think that, you know, the next generation, your kids and and then hopefully my kids are going to be more aware of that than anything, because they will have grown up in a world in which it's so easy to get from place to place. I mean, I live up in Scotland. You could probably get to Ibiza from where you are quicker than it would take you to get up to Edinburgh, which, you know, says everything about our sort of global culture and the state of the world and... Yeah, it's, it's really surreal to think about, actually. It is, and I think with the sort of advances in technology and travel and so on, you know, whereas it takes us almost a day to get to Australia, for example, it would it would take a lot less with years to come, so things would be even more smaller in that respect. And if you if you look at the North Korea example you used, it, I mean, I'm finding the figures very hard to trust and believe at the moment, no matter where which country they come from. But if you look at it in the sense that, you know, it's a, a dictatorship there, it's very hard to get in and out of North Korea, it would... It could make sense that they haven't got any because people that have carried it haven't been allowed in. But then that shows how open all the other countries or majority of the countries around the world are in a sense that most countries have been affected by it. And, um, yeah, and it's spread as much as it has. Um, and that's why, like... <laughs> the world is such a, a easily accessible place now. Like you said, you've got the internet, you've got, um, you know, the fact that I can pick up a mobile phone and call, you know, text my mate in um, Australia, for example, and it delivers almost instantly. It's just surreal. You know, if you used to tell someone that, like, a hundred years ago, for example, they would just been like, you know, <laughs> wouldn't have understood what you were talking about. And you think a hundred years from now, I mean, it's going to be amazing how you can get to these places i just hope that these places are their natural sort of beauty and stuff is maintained and we don't become too commercialized and too easily accessible that they then lose their you know they become a tourist destination that loses its history and identity rather than um maintaining it because you know there's some wonderful places in the world you know you look at the rainforest for example how much they've changed over recent years because of you know, humans. So I just hope we respect respect the the world going forward. <laughs> I always joke with my partner that my kids are going to grow up going, "What's a polar bear?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's scary, isn't it? Because there are certain animals that are on the brink of being non-existent, and, and that's and that's just awful. You know, they were put on this. It's not to get too deep, but uh, they were put on this planet for us to have as much right on it as we do. So the fact that we are wiping out um, species is is awful in my opinion but that's for another show and <laughs> yes. for another podcast <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, to go back to Ibiza and sort of following on from what we were talking about a little bit before 
Is there anything that you think that people in the UK could learn from Ibisan culture and Ibisan way of life? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the whole treat each day as if it's special is something that you could really really learn from like you don't waste a minute in Ibiza obviously you have minutes where you're sunbathing or you're relaxing around the pool or just chilling sitting on a sun lounge or by a bar but that's not a wasted minute that's a part of your like relaxing for the night ahead or your well-being and so on but every single minute I've experienced Ibiza is one where life is to be enjoyed you know there's a real positive vibe there everyone sort of seems to appreciate life and I think you know whatever religion you are whatever your beliefs are in theory you get one go at life and you get to you get to however long you're given um to enjoy it and yes there are times i teach you is that there are some good things in life as well and if you can try to remember those then then life is is more enjoyable and i think that's what i be for sums to me it just makes me feel happy and relaxed and i think I'd love to experience that more in England. I mean, you can. You know, I've been to places in Cornwall, in Devon, in Norfolk. You know, there's places that do offer that, but it, it's just not quite the same. Perhaps it doesn't have the weather. Maybe that's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, I just love the whole, the whole relaxed vibe, the whole chilled vibe, and the whole good times vibe. Um, and on that note, what is the most beautiful thing about Ibiza? Um, what a sunset for one cannot be beaten I mean you can find beaches that are rather you know exclusive with very few people on them and you can sit there you can sit there whatever your tipple is sit there drinking looking up at the, the sun nice bit of music just relaxing there looking at the sea and it's almost like you're somewhere else you're not like, not in I don't know, you sort of run not on earth. Not on earth, yeah, yeah, somewhere. And, and it's got that, and it's got so much like that um, across the island. And, you know, I don't know, I should have looked this up before, I don't know what the actual size is of the island, but where I've heard that wherever you go on that island, there are beautiful places to, to experience. And like I said, I, I was very torn between picking... Ibiza and picking Rio when you asked me to do this because I had an amazing time in Rio as well and that was for similar but also different reasons um, but um, Ibiza I would recommend to anyone even if you're not into your, your clubs and your bars you don't have to be I would go with my family and children as they are now I would just go to a quieter resort um, I'd go with my parents who are in their 70s now you know I, I wouldn't feel like I couldn't go to Ibiza with anyone and I think that is something else that's amazing about it you know if you if you go to a, a busy city you know sometimes the way of life in those places can be too stressful too manic for certain people if you go to like a a, a really relaxing place where there's not much to do that can be too boring for people whereas I think Ibiza can cater for all all interests and all like lifestyle preferences so what does the future hold for Ibiza 
Well, I, I was reading on my phone this morning, just because I have this app that sort of pulls up the main articles across all the newspapers, and I was reading it, and it was actually an article on Ibiza, which I thought was obviously quite ironic, seeing as I was doing this show today, but I read about it, and it was saying how they're using this summer to sort of repair and re like develop the buildings and so on, but I really hope not just Ibiza, but also places like Ibiza that rely on tourism haven't been too badly hit because it would be awful to think that you know there, some places are struggling social distancing what how long we're going to have to do that i don't know but that would massively affect things out there as well um so i hope i hope with all this uh, coronavirus stuff has stopped the situation with ibiza the future is as it was in the past brilliant amazing place to go uh it just i guess it'll be um, interesting to see how badly it's been affected, particularly if they can't open for this summer. You know, if they was to open now, they'd be fine. But if they go the whole summer without without being open to people, then uh, yeah, they've got a, a few challenges ahead, I would imagine. Definitely. And presuming for a second that it, it does open fairly soon and that everything just about manages to, you know, get vaguely back to normal and it becomes the Ibiza you love again, would you ever move there? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I'd like to, yeah, I would like to. I've always said to my wife, I feel that I, sh I am meant to have lived abroad or at least had a house abroad at some point in my life. And um, I haven't done that yet. I've worked abroad. I've spent sort of short periods of time as in different countries, but I've never uh, ever lived abroad. Um, and I... I would really, really like to do that one day. So I think, yeah, I would. I wouldn't necessarily live in San Antonio Playa de Posa, <laughs> but I would. I would live within reaching distance of them, and uh, yeah, I would love to, but not necessarily. I'd be. I'd love to have a place anywhere abroad. I think, uh, but that's a calling in life that I haven't quite fulfilled yet. So hopefully, I will one day. It's well worth it, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, Once yet, I think like at your age, I mean, I'm, it sounds like you've already done this, so I don't need to to pre preach to you. But <laughs> if I would anyone listening to this show that isn't there, maybe at the same age as you, so sort of early twenties, where you have that opportunity to go travelling or to experience different places, I would urge anyone. You know, I I was in sort of. I went from sixth form to university to working pretty much straight away without any gaps in between. Um, and I wish I'd taken however long, six months, a year, just to go travelling. Or I wish at certain times I'd gone to places that I had opportunities to that I didn't. So I would urge anyone, if they've got the sort of freedom, the finances and uh, yeah, the opportunity to go and experience as many places possible i really really would because i feel i should have done more when i was younger but hopefully i'll um, catch up with that when i'm a bit older definitely and if you don't have the means or the finances please listen to passport people because it is free and we do love it when people <laughs> share it around <laughs> um yeah. and and lastly um for me who i mean I, I should probably mention this earlier but i've only been to ibiza twice both times i wasn't really particularly old enough to really know anything about the island and what was going on what is the thing that me or anybody else who travels to Ibiza needs to do there to get the full experience of it. Okay, so you need to you need to definitely start in 
I mean, I'd say for anyone in a restaurant or a bar with nice vibe, go for a good restaurant or a bar, nice food, nice drink, looking out onto the horizon about, I can't remember what time it sets in Ibiza now, but let's just say 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock Ibiza time. Um, that get there, make sure you've got your meal just before, you're in the middle of eating your main meal just as the sunset strip um, comes alive and the sunset sets. Um, sit there, watch it, experience the kind of magic, have a few drinks while you're doing that. And then um, if you want to go on and continue the light, then do so. But if you want to just sort of walk um, around and experience that kind of uh, chilled outness of it all and do that but I think it is something that he's got to experience I mean obviously you can get magical sunsets in many places across the world and I've experienced them in different countries too but I do think Ibiza has the best and I think you'd be very um, hard pushed to find a better place I can't disagree with that from everything that you've been talking about it sounds crazy um yeah X, thank you so, so much for coming on to this podcast. Listeners, if you are a West Ham fan and haven't found your way to the West Ham Way podcast, please do that and follow XWHU employee on Twitter. I am never on Twitter, but I do go on Twitter very specifically just to follow X. So that shows how important it is as a thing you need to do. Um, Listeners, also, thank you for listening to uh, this fantastic trip that we've made to the Balearic Islands. We will be back next week talking to somebody else about somewhere else. Um, Until then, from me and X, goodbye. Take care. You've been listening to Passport People. The music was by Harry Bongo, and the cover art was by Maya Pires. Learn more about us by visiting our Island Life Productions Facebook page or by visiting our website at islandlifeproductions.com.